Hi, this is Jennifer Fry. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I am speaking with a really good friend of mine, Jennifer Fry. Jennifer is the CEO of Appreciated Asset Business Solutions. Now, I want you to really hear what this woman does, because some of you, it's going to make you cringe, and I'm going to tell you, she's going to be your best friend. Their sales accelerator program offers a done-for-you, you heard me say that, a done-for-you cold-calling service for their clients. Appreciated Assets team will reach out to your ideal prospects consultatively educate them about your solution, and set you up with new business appointments. With decades of experience, they are able to keep you client-facing, grow your business, and provide you all of the benefits of a cold calling campaign without any of the time or any of the energy, and for a lot of you, any of the pain. Jennifer has spent her entire career in business development prior to establishing Appreciated Asset in 2019. She personally brings over 20 years of experience in solution sales to her clients and creates customized campaigns to create and build out a sales pipeline. A native of Boston, Massachusetts, I love that accent, I spent a lot of time in Andover myself, she moved to Charleston, South Carolina in 2007 after spending several years in Manhattan. She is a graduate of A.B. Freeman School of Business at Tulane University. In her free time, Jennifer enjoys running, yoga, reading, being out on the water, and traveling with her eight-year-old son, Max. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation today with Jennifer. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a phone call with us to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Hi, thank you. So, you know, I am so excited to get into this cold calling venture with you. And before we do, you know, I really want our listeners to get to know you. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the past handful of months. And, you know, the more I talk with you, the more I absolutely adore you. And I got to ask you, what got you into this venture of being an entrepreneur, you know, not just appreciated asset, just being a business owner, an entrepreneur, because we all know it's so easy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, being in business development for as long as I was, I think I was always looking and creating and finding better ways to do things and really finally came to a point that I probably make the world's worst employee just simply because <laughs> I'm always looking to reinvent the wheel and improve processes and work smarter, not harder. So I think, uh, and I always wanted to be my own boss. I think working in sales, you're, you have that entrepreneurial spirit always. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the beautiful thing I learned a long time ago about sales, uh, a lot of our listeners don't know this about me. When I got out of the military, I started out as a buyer. And I remember, I remember salespeople coming in all the time. And, you know, as my career grew very quickly, I became a buyer, senior buyer, then a purchasing manager, then a director of procurement, all of this within like a year and a half, two years, it happened really quick. And I remember watching all these salespeople drive up in BMWs and, and Mercedes. And, you know, I'm in my mid twenties, just out of the military. And, and I definitely don't drive a car like that. And I realized all the money's on that side, right? My, my dad was a salesperson back in the seventies, making six figures. And I knew all the money was on that side. And uh, I hopped over. And when I, I, I lovingly, jokingly say I hopped over to the dark side, right? <laughs> and when I hopped over to the dark side, I, I realized that so many salespeople tell people what they think they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And that's how my success in sales started. I realized I didn't need someone to tell me my worth because I could create my worth. As a matter of fact, you know, I went from a six-figure six salary down to minimum wage as, as a salary because of the commission. Right. And then I realized within a year, I was making more than I had ever made. And that, that is probably one of the most enlightening moments for me was I realized I'm just a glorified business owner that has a minimum wage paycheck to as a safety net, which it never was. <laughs> so, so you realize that nobody was going to tell you your worth. Nobody was going to uh, tell you what you could or couldn't do, so to speak. And you realize that you were already the business owner mentality. So then what? So I launched my business in September of 2019 after, again, many, many years in business development uh, for a lot of different types of solutions, marketing solutions, HR solutions, um, mostly marketing and HR. Um, but I had all of these really great relationships and I wanted to figure out how to leverage. And for me, 
And I think it's for you too. There's such a taboo about sales and what a salesperson looks like, what a salesperson acts like. And like you mentioned, someone who's trying to just tell someone what they think they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like there was a better approach. So when I initially launched my business, I was working as a referral broker, essentially. I knew people who were the best at what they did. And I knew a lot of business owners who needed great resources. And I started matching those up. And I grew that organically and successfully uh, for about two and a half years. Wow. And in that time, um, I knew there was another way to monetize this. <laughs> but the idea of being a salesperson for 15 different businesses did not align for me. It did not <laughs> But over and over, I kept having clients and partners asking me to do sales for them and essentially getting job offers constantly. Wow. So I didn't want to go back to work for anyone. I didn't want to pretend I worked for someone fractionally. Mm -hmm. And again, it just didn't align with me. So we launched our sales accelerator program because I had to keep listening to what my clients, my partners, and people who knew my strengths were asking for. Yeah. And they were asking for me to open doors for them. I was hearing things like, man, if I did for my business what you do for yours, my business would double next year. And I thought about it. And I'm kind of one of those cocktail napkin business plan people. I don't spend long. I reached out to clients. It really hit me at 1130 on a Thursday night. <laughs> I'm just going to have them give me a list of the people they want to meet with. I'm going to reach out, set up appointments for them to meet with them, and then let them take it from there. And I'm going to charge them this to do that. Mm -hmm. So the next morning I reached out and I had four clients before lunch. Wow. And it <laughs> has just grown since then every single month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I started as a solopreneur. Um, within six months, brought on my first employee, and now I have a full team to support uh, our client delivery. That's phenomenal. So you're coming up on your three-year anniversary. Four years. Did I say 2019? It's 2018. 2018. Yeah. Okay. So your yeah. four-year almost happy anniversary. Thank you. Next month. So let's talk about it. How easy was it? You know, because like I said, building a business is just so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody thinks like it's like the field of dreams, build it and they will come, right? Yeah. What I'm really good at is letting everyone know what I do mm -hmm. um, and doing that with a lot of repetition and being really consistent. So once I had done that for a certain amount of time and I still saw that there was definitely room for improvement and growth and the revenue was not where I wanted it to be, um, I started really listening rather than telling people what I do, listening to what they needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once I did that and really heard what they were telling me they needed from me, I was able to come up with a solution that they needed, yeah. that they wanted, and that they were happy to pay for. Yeah. You know, because everybody loves cold calling. <laughs> right. You know, it's so funny, though, because it started with people that knew me and knew how I did this and knew what I built by cold calling. And yep. it was an absolute no-brainer for them because they're like, absolutely, if you'll do that for me, 
and it's a fraction of what hiring a salesperson is going to be, mm -hmm. who may or may not do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%, let's do it. So back in 2018, when you started Appreciated Assets, um, how did you define success then? Because the one thing I have found with successful business people is their definition of success evolves as they do. So how did you define it then versus how do you define it now? The easiest answer for that is originally I defined it by revenue and now I define it by profit. Mm. Okay. But what I realized the metrics that go into those definitions are also things like um, client retention results, um, you know, a great, loyal and hardworking, dedicated staff and team. Yeah. So for me now, it's evolving into creating a legacy for my son mm. because I want him to be proud of mom and to see what I was able to do to provide a really great life for him and for me. Yep. Yep. I love that. That's a hell of a why. It really is. So when... When you started the business, did you know anything about building a business or business? I mean, you were obviously in business development. However, business development for a large company and, and physically developing a business mm -hmm. are two totally different things, right? So how did you grow your business? I mean, I know how I met you. I met you through networking, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you grow your business and how, how was it navigating the unknown waters of being an entrepreneur, a business owner? I started as a solopreneur and created a really nice following for myself with you know clients that we've done great work for. Mm -hmm. And then as the business grew and my needs grew, I brought in experts where and when needed. So I uh, started with hiring a business coach, which I had never, ever done before. <laughs> um, it was a little bit of uh, swallowing my pride to learn from someone else, something that I am an expert in. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really worked with a strategy coach on things that I didn't realize I needed to know. Nice. I brought in, um, you know, HR help to make sure that as I grew my team, I was doing that properly legal help to make sure all of my um, contracts and my agreements were, you know, very clear mm -hmm. and, um, and compliant. Mm -hmm. um, bookkeeper, that's been a really fun game changer for me. But really <laughs> bringing in great partners that do things way better than I know how to do them. Bringing my business to the point where I need those services bringing those partners on board. And then um, again, being able to free up more time in my calendar to focus on what I'm great at, which is leading a team and getting great results for our clients. That's phenomenal. I absolutely love that. You know, so many people miss that part of really realizing that they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, they venture into being a solopreneur 
as a solopreneur. And then they get bombarded with all these blind spots and things become harder than they need to be, should be, or could be, right? And it's about knowing this is my wheelhouse. This is what I'm good at. And staying within alignment of our expertise, staying true to our core, our mission, and then kicking in with a philosophy I have always lived by, and that's do what I do best and hire the rest to do the best, you know, or hire the best to do the rest. Because reality is, if I bill out at $100 an hour, $500 an hour, $1,000 an hour, $5,000 an hour, no matter what your hourly rate is, if you're sitting there doing something you're not an expertise in, it's going to take you two, three, four, five times longer. And you're probably going to do it wrong. And it's probably going to cost you money. It's probably going to cost you heartburn. And then you're not out there focusing on your expertise. So I really want to get to the part of the show. I really want our guests to really hear your magic, really see who you are, you know? It's funny because I was uh, telling a friend of mine, I'm so excited about our interview today. I'm, I'm uh, interviewing a, a friend of mine that I met through networking that specializes in cold calling for other businesses. And I, you would have thought she would have gotten whiplash or broke her neck with as quick as she whipped around because she said, there are people out there that actually do that as a business. And I said, yeah, and she's pretty damn good at it. And uh, she goes, well, side note, she asked for your info <laughs> Two, <laughs> two, it was kind of one of those things where this is unbelievable. You know, I um, back way back in the day uh, as Pivot Point was evolving, you know, I taught sales, leadership, communication and networking. Because everyone wanted to know how I built a two seven-figure business as 100% from networking and word-of-mouth marketing. And to me, it was just easy. You know, this is before I had made the decision to teach and train NLP. And, uh, and I had a really good friend of mine out in the training circuit and speaker circuit. He was a phone dialer. He was a cold caller. He did, he did anywhere from 150 to 250 cold calls a day, you know, and, and I, I always called him my phone banging friend, right? And um, he just, he said it was addicting. And he, I, I, at that time had asked him if that was ever something he wanted to get into, like a done for you service. And he goes, oh, hell no, I will never do it for multiple businesses. And he goes, it's a grind. And, you know, it's funny because it's the one thing that holds people back. You know, uh, people act like your, your phone has teeth or, or it weighs a thousand pounds. So let's dive into it. Cold calling, done for you cold calling. Before we completely go down that route, why do you think so many struggle with picking up that phone, even if it's not a cold call, if it's a follow-up. Why do so many people struggle with that outbound extension? Well, I think it comes down to fear of rejection. And I think that so much of it is wrapped up in the unknown of someone else's reaction. 
And that's what it comes to. And the thing is, we make a lot of cold calls. Yeah. Not everyone is pleasant to us. <laughs> it's better us than you, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, the motto that I have with my team is that hurt people hurt people. I have that same motto with my son also. Because someone who's good with themselves is never going to be rude to you and never going to be unkind. There's really no need for it. So if someone is unkind to you, it has zero to do with who you are. Yeah. And that took me decades to learn in my personal and professional life, to be honest. Right. right? Yeah. But the way someone treats you has nothing to do with you. It's a reflection of them. You know, right. I want to rewind a little bit before before you go. I want to rewind just a little bit. You you, you said it, it has to do with fear of rejection. You know, so many people create and project this unnecessary future. I'll just call it anxiety on an event that hasn't happened yet, right? And all they do is they write a story and create a negative outcome. That's all they're doing. And because people will say, well, I'm afraid they're going to yell at me. Well, the last person that you just talked to, did they yell at you on the phone? And they're like, no. Number two, I'm afraid they're going to hang up on me. So the last person you called, did they hang up on you? No. So what's the point? What's the purpose of putting something out there that hasn't happened yet? And it really has to do with their programming, their wiring, the itty bitty shitty committee, right? And, you know, we've been in sales a long time. I mean, I've been, I've been selling for probably a little over 25 years. And, and as I had said in the beginning, when I went down that rabbit hole of how my career started, uh, I never felt like I sold because I just delivered what people needed. And still that mindset that's needed to do that, to be okay with the reception or lack thereof on the other end. And I love how, how you're making that visualization about them that hurt people hurt or, or that it's not about you because it isn't, it isn't. It's a sheer reflection of them. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just so excited that you brought that up. So, so go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, it's really, it's the brain's way of protecting ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Ourselves safe. Um, I read once about how there's a, it's that caveman brain that your fear of the woolly mammoth is the same as your fear of being hung up. Like your body, you think you're going to die. Yep. Trust me. I've had plenty of people hang up on me. I haven't died once. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, you're going to survive it. Mm -hmm. But if you mm -hmm. come at it with a heart of service and you know that you have a solution that that individual needs to know about and you feel convicted about that, yeah. it is absolutely your duty to reach out and to let people know about who you are and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and so that's what we do. We really work with vetted solutions and businesses that have really great solutions and then we make sure we get those solutions in front of their dream clients. You know, those 50 clients that you know, man, if I was in front of these guys, I know I've got on the right fit for them. Yeah. But yeah. you're not going to pick up the phone 50 times a day and another four days. And four. 
no one's got time for that while you're also running the rest of your business mm-hmm. or even as a salesperson, because I've been that salesperson before in an organization where I'm responsible for prospecting, outreach, appointment setting, handling the appointments, proposals, follow-up, close, onboarding, and oftentimes in a lot of small businesses, account management as well. Okay, I'm exhausted now. (laughs) That's easily three full-time jobs. And most, in small businesses, most salespeople are responsible for all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at just the sheer nature of the fear of cold calling, you know, like I had said earlier, do what we do best and hire the best to do the rest, right? I agree with you. We all have a bandwidth. We all have our expertise. We all have our our deliverable. We all have our purpose, our mission, and our vision. And when we are when we are diluting our focus, we're diluting our impact, right? So, you know, you shouldn't be doing your own bookkeeping. You shouldn't be doing your own taxes. You shouldn't be doing your own coaching. You you shouldn't be, or at least coaching yourself. You. You shouldn't be doing your own sales and your own operations and your management. You should be really either hiring as far as an employee standpoint or a fractional standpoint or a contractor standpoint. And it's really about aligning with the right people for the right reasons, right? Now, you have this huge empowered team of phone bangers now (laughs) and how how do you take people from that that fear of making that call to actually owning themselves and and it being business it just being a matter of fact it being effortless I mean, when I hire people, I hire really highly qualified, typically um, in team members with a really strong customer service background and account management background. Um, because frankly, I'm not really interested in teaching someone how to pick up a phone. Yeah. Um, I want to explain the why to my team for mm-hmm. each of the solutions that we work with why it's so important and train them on how getting this solution in the hands of those prospects will be a game changer for them. And then once we're able to do that and connect the why, the rest of it falls into place very naturally. It does, it does. So why do you think so many salespeople fail at selling? Uh, I think poor training. I think there's a lot of times not a connection with the why. Um, Salespeople in general, you know, we have quotas, we have goals we've got to reach. And I remember there was a long time where I felt like I was only as good as my last month. Yeah. Yeah. I had managers tell me that flat out. Mm -hmm. It's only as good as my last month. Yeah. I really scarcity, (laughs) rewind, having that mindset puts you in scarcity. It does. 
It does. Absolutely. You know, and, and working from that position of scarcity makes you hungry and desperate with your prospects and they can smell that a mile away. And then it's really not about finding, you know, the right solution and good fits for your prospects. Mm -hmm. It's about you need it so that you can keep your job this month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also a lot of times about management and leadership in businesses that are so far out from the day-to-day -day sales process that it's just like kind of a get it done mentality. Mm -hmm. You don't really care how. It's just looking at the bottom line. Certainly that was my experience. Um, plenty of places that I worked, not everywhere, mm -hmm. not everywhere, but plenty of places. And so, you know, I'm really able to take not just about building a team with the values that we do want, but the things that we absolutely do not want yeah. as part of our culture. Yeah. You know, it's stepping back and looking at it from a business perspective. You know, you brought up a lot of sales metrics, a lot of business metrics, you know, we call them KPIs. You know, salespeople need to know their numbers. And when I say that, I'm not applying that sales is a numbers game because our listeners know that I believe sales is not a numbers game. Sales is a science. And once you master the science, sales becomes effortless. It becomes simple because anything, in, anything that's a science is duplicatable, right? So <clears throat> what happens is, though, if you don't know your numbers and your metrics of business I have to touch this many people to get this many people interested to have this many interested people have a conversation with me and then convert those conversations. You know, when you know those metrics, you know the do that you get to do to create that pipeline. I think when it comes to small business people, when it comes to the entrepreneurial mindset, the independent sales professional, Success is a stop, go, stop, go journey with them because they, they prospect really hard. They get business and clients and then they stop and then they service said business and clients and then they run out of clients and then they repeat the cycle. And this is why I love what you do because it keeps the pipeline going so that you don't have that start, stop, start, stop, because momentum inertia takes time. You and I were talking before, before we started recording the show and you know it's a three to four month journey to, to get a pipeline to the point to where business is happening. That's a standard metric across the board, whether it's marketing or lead generation or prospecting. And, and reality is if you're stop, start, stop, start, why do you think you're only busy like once a quarter? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, keeping all of those plates up in the air spinning, it, it's virtually impossible. Even if sales is your full-time job, it's so difficult. And I have been in those positions before where I've had a killer month or a killer two months and then that pipeline is just dried up because I've been so busy getting all of those new clients onboarded and, and up to speed that I haven't had the time. Yep. 
to yeah. do the outreach and to find new leads and to you know set new business meetings. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have this team now. Let's talk about the business of business because I I see this and hear this a lot with business owners. And some people like it and some people hate it. You know, for me, building a business is twofold. I love making an impact. I love doing what I do. So as far as the speaking, the coaching, the training, I doubt I'll ever get away from that because it keeps me on the ground level. Now I say that to say, in order for me to make the level of impact that I want to make, I get to do less of that and allow others to shine in their light and do more of that, which then allows me to run the business of the business. So I kind of have the best of both worlds where, you know, I do manage the business, run the business, and I also have operations people that keep me aligned and everything like that. And that being said, I still like to touch the ground. I still like to be on the front lines. In, in your business, uh, are, you, are you more of a, a hands-off manager leader or a hands-on manager leader? Um, both. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So I um, stepped out of client delivery this past spring, and my team handles that almost exclusively. When we have someone out or we have some things out, I will certainly step in and assist to make sure that our clients uh, get serviced. But for the most part, I am out of client delivery. And the part that I'm still very hands-on with is the messaging and the onboarding with our clients. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, the client communication, because I've been in business development for so long, I'm able to see opportunities and angles um, that I want to bring to the table and, and be part of. Nice. And I have amazing management team, and they are certainly, um, you know, becoming uh, leaders mm -hmm. in the organization. Mm -hmm. But for right now, in our growth, I'm still part of that process. Nice. I think probably a year from now, I'll probably be step, stepping further out about, from that. But I'll tell you what, I love what you said about the impact because I really came to that last fall where I was loaded up with clients. There were, you can only make so many calls in a day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, after about 12 to 15 clients, I'm maxed out. Wow. And I realized that in order to, um, expand my impact and be able to help more people. I had to bring on a team, but the cool thing about that is then I can then impact their lives as well. Mm -hmm. And that's been a total game changer for me to be able to create a culture for our team. Like I said earlier, that's everything that I haven't had before <laughs> with, with some of the good stuff too. But really making sure that, you know, we are all sharing the why mm -hmm. as to why we're doing this, but the mm -hmm. opportunity to give um, my team financial independence 
Um, for the most part, at this time in my growth, for the most part, uh, I have a team of mostly women and mostly working moms. And as a working mom myself, mm. I feel that when we have um, options, we have power. Nice. And yeah. I really want to be able to provide that for as many women as I can. And really for that to be a goal, I need to give you a number. So let me work on that and come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know the coach in you is going to say, tell me the number. So yeah. I don't, um, but I, I've loved really realizing what I'm doing for their lives as well and giving them place to grow their career. I love that you've built a mission-driven message behind your brand. I, I really do. I had, I had remembered that as you were saying it, I had recalled you telling me that in the beginning when we had first met. And uh, I think it just finally registered that that really is a mission-driven message. You know, stay-at-home moms, working moms, they they have a responsibility and they still have a fire in their belly, right? They still want to accomplish things and are capable of accomplishing things and have taken on an additional responsibility to raising a, a little human being. And to be able to, to be that role model, to show our children, this can be done. You can have a family, you can have work-life harmony, you can have success, you can be responsible for taking care of yourself. It's a beautiful message to give. And the fact that you've created a platform to, to host, that's just beautiful. So thank you for doing that. Well, the reason I named my business Appreciated Asset is because I knew that I was going to create a place where every client, every team member, and every dollar through the door would be appreciated and valued. Nice. So that's what we really work to do every single day. I love that. I love that. So question, because I'm sure it's burning in a lot of our listeners' minds. And that is, you know, I'll lovingly say it can get a little exhausting. Phone banging, making those calls, right? I'm going to have to change the job title. <laughs> <laughs> Phone banging. <laughs> and I, uh, I actually used to run a call center. So that's where that terminology came from. You know, we'd have, uh, we'd have 30 people in a bullpen and it was just smile and dial, smile and dial back in the days where they had a little mirror on your computer to make sure that you were smiling because it's felt on the other side. You remember those days, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think probably one of the hardest things to do is to stay driven, stay motivated, stay inspired after rejection, after rejection, after rejection. So how do you, how does your team stay motivated when, when they get hit with that? Because there's got to be a wall at some period. Yeah, I mean, you certainly have rough days. I don't know if it's the moon is in Mercury <laughs> retrograde. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, there's tough days. I think part of it is just the way our schedule works in that we work with several clients per day. So you're able to pivot to different focuses. After you complete, you know, delivery for one client, we can move on to the next. 
Mm -hmm. So that helps. But again, without being redundant, it's really just going back to the why. And each client has their own why. And then we as a collective have our own Mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to work when I do hear that a team member has, you know, had a rough day or really been beat up on the phone that day. Um, or there's some days where you're just like a professional voicemail lever, right? And it's like, what is this for? Yeah. That's where the persistence in our delivery and our service comes into play. Because I tell people this all the time. If you're going to just pick up the phone and make 50 calls today and you're never going to do it again, don't even bother. Don't yeah. waste your time. Yeah. You might as well just throw those couple hours out the window because it's rare to get a call back. And it's really in that persistence of reaching out consistently, professionally, but mm-hmm. consistently mm-hmm. till you get those doors open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- and yeah, sometimes we, you know, hit it big for a client that we got zero <laughs> calls booked one day. Mm-hmm. The next day it's four calls are booked. Yeah. And that happens. And it's just kind of staying on it. And, coming at it with the same enthusiasm every day, yeah. hitting call number 200 with the same enthusiasm that you hit call number one. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. I like the adjective you used uh, professionally. Um, there are, there are cold calling services out there that uh, I'll lovingly say, or people who maybe shouldn't be cold calling to represent themselves where you can hear the frustration, the angst, the anger, the whatever's charging them at that moment, you can hear it on the call. And the script, right? You can hear Mm. the script. Yeah. I, I am far from a fan of scripts. I believe that, that people get to know a, a guided rhythm. However, the human relationship is dynamic and a script is never going to service a relationship. You know, it's like when you call the 1-800 corporate screw you numbers and you get put over to wherever call center you're at anywhere in the world. And they always started off with, I'm so happy you've called me. And it's like, well, I'm not, I haven't had, haven't had internet for for three hours and I've been on hold for seven hours and and they're like oh I I completely understand your your uh situation and it's like no you don't you have internet I don't (laughs) (laughs) so so I say that because the a lot of times scripts are really inappropriate and someone has to be Someone on the phone has to be empowered to receive that conversation so that they can embrace the dynamics of it. Yeah, that's why my team, they're they're really not in sales. Mm-hmm. They're in education. Yep. Yeah, I love that. They are not here to sell our clients' prospects anything. They are mm-hmm. here to simply educate them, enlighten them about a solution that we know that they need to know about. Yep. And we want to tell them why. And we're going to do it with messaging points. Obviously, there's, you know, value propositions and success metrics that we want to include. 
But if we are reading office scripts like this, that comes across so blatantly for any educated human on the other side of the phone. Yeah. And I, you know, joke that we're kind of the anti-lead gen, lead generation company. <laughs> we don't have call centers. We don't have headsets. Mm -hmm. um, there's no robotic scripts. Mm -hmm. And I don't hire people that need to be trained without, that aren't able to think critically. Yeah. I don't want people to read those scripts. I want them to call and have great conversations mm. with those prospects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you just hit a bunch of nails on the head simultaneously. You know, several things. I think business owners, entrepreneurs, independent sales professionals, whatever, however you label yourself, wherever your category is, reality is this. If you need to make a sale, you have no business having a conversation with somebody because that desperation is going to ooze out and that prevents you from being the educator. That prevents you from engaging in the relationship to truly understand what the prospective future clients' needs are so that you can even understand if you can satisfy them, serve them, help them in order to engage with them to be a potential solution. And so many people try all these, I'll say in air quotes, catchy sales techniques. People don't wanna be sold. People want to make a decision. People want to buy. People want to matter. People want to be cared about, right? So that's number one. The next nail that you turned around and, and hit probably simultaneously was the, the prospective client. You know, our prospective client, there's, there's different terminology out there. You know, a lot of people refer to them as target markets. A lot of people refer to them as avatars or prospective client. There's, there's no right or wrong. However, the way you store them in your body, the way you internalize and visualize who they are really makes a difference because that target, nobody wants to be a target, right? And a lot of times our future prospective client, I, I have a belief, this is strictly just my belief that people don't window shop anymore. People don't tire kick anymore. They've done all of that on Google. They have a need, want, and desire for a product, service, and solution. And they're out there seeking it. And it's a, not a matter of if, it's a matter of who and when. Because so many people attempt to shove a cookie cutter presentation down someone's throat. And they're not looking at the person holistically. And when it comes to, I'll say in air quotes, selling, you're really just educating and serving. And so many people fail to look at it from that perspective because they're not understanding the client's needs, wants, desires, pain points. And I learned a long time ago, 
if you can connect to them from that perspective and they know that you understand their problem, understand them, their situation, then they know you understand how to solve it. And so many people just go from, you have this, I have this, and I'm going to shove this down your throat. And that's what makes sales a numbers game. Well, and the other thing kind of riffing on what you just said is sometimes there is a timeline involved where, you know, your prospect, your potential client may know that you have a great solution, but they have other priorities going on right now. They have a kid who just went off to college. They're going to Europe for a month or their calendar is loaded up till Thanksgiving. (laughs) So if that's the case, really, again, it goes back to being from a heart of service. I want to work with my clients in the timeline that makes sense for them, not for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I want to work with everyone now, but we can't, or, and we can't do a good job if we onboard everyone at the exact same time. So really not just finding the right energy match, the right solution, but also finding the right timing Mm -hmm. for your prospect. Because if you push someone and they start before they're ready, or you convince and convince and close them, then that's where the resentment comes in. Yeah. Buyer's remorse. Right. No, I want, you know, there's sometimes where I'll explain why we can assist with the onboarding and it's not as much on their plates Mm -hmm. as they may think it is so that when they come back from Europe, their calendar is loaded up. So there are times where I'll say, no, this really would be the right time for you to do this with that timeline. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I want them to know that we're here when they are ready. Yeah. Yeah. And as a business owner and someone who's got goals and I have my own, you know, growth goals, I really have to swallow that sometimes. But again, it's coming from an abundant mindset and knowing that there is no shortage of people who need this service mm-hmm. and that we are attracting the right customers and the right clients to us at the right time. That's a beautiful perspective because so many come from the space of as I said earlier, desperation for lack of a better terminology. And it's because they need things in their life, their business. And the only way they can fulfill it is to have that that perspective future client become a paying client Mm -hmm. so that it satisfies their needs. And, you know, this is about putting others first. This is about really being a solution. And when we're a solution, we're going to be right today or next year, right? Now, if you're worried about losing that person from today to next year, then check your processes, right? Because sales is a dance. Sales is a relationship. And You know, sometimes no just means not right now. Sometimes no just means I don't believe you. Sometimes no means I really don't need it. And sometimes no means I'm just not ready, right? We don't know what no is and we don't have the relationship with them for them to tell us. And we get to earn that communication. And the only way that's gonna happen is to exercise communication. 
And people take no as a rejection. And albeit it's a complete sentence, it doesn't mean it has to be rejection. Yeah, I mean, my automatic follow-up to, to a no, and whether this is when we're doing our client delivery or this is for our own business, someone says no, I want to know, is that a not now or is that a no forever? And so I will simply say, yeah. is there an ideal time of year for me to follow up with you, for mm -hmm. me to circle back with you? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes someone says no, and you think they're going to say, yeah, next year. And they say, yeah, in a month. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> that's not no. <laughs> right. Right. That's just not, not yet. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a working mom. I will blink. It'll be next month. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, I remember when my daughter was born and she's going to be 22 next month. And it's like, where did the time go? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious when it comes to cold calling specifically, what do you think is more important mindset or skill set? Mindset. I think is more important. Yeah. Um, because I think having the right mindset can give you the right skill set. Mm. So I'm going to elaborate there. Absolutely. So I think if you're coming from a heart of service mm -hmm. and you engage someone in a conversation about a solution via cold call. Yeah. And they come up with what we would call in sales an objection. Yeah. If you are coming from a heart of service and really wanting to educate that client, then you will develop pretty naturally the skill of engaging in that conversation in an educated and direct way. Because I always train my people, it, look, if we don't know the answer to a question, we're gonna say, we're not sure about that. Let, let's find that out, we'll get that answer back to you. Mm -hmm. We're not here to make up information. But to know the product, to know the service well enough to be able to have a bit of a volley, because sometimes it is. Sometimes a you know, prospective client will have some relevant, valid questions about the service. And so for us to you know, have enough knowledge and background. So that's where the skill set, I think, comes in. Yeah, yeah, totally get it. So Jennifer, welcome to... The signature question of the show. And that is what does selling without selling mean to you? Selling without selling, I think is about finding the right energy match for your solution. Without the risk of being redundant, Selling without selling is coming from a heart of service and knowing that you have the right solution. And rather than selling, educating, yeah. tell people about what you have. It is your duty to do that yeah. if you have something that's valuable. Yeah. And if you don't feel that way, then you are not working with the right service, the right product, the right company. Yeah. Get out of your head. Get into your heart. And the only way you can do that is to make sure that you're showing up with the right intention, the right programming, the might, the right mindset, you know, just being on the right platform. That's it. You know, I love that answer. Thank you. 
So welcome to the random round. As you know, Jennifer, I believe that success leaves clues and I love to extract uh, very specific pieces of information for our listeners so that they can turn around and go, you know what, I really like that and I really want to apply it to myself. So I have two questions for you. Question number one is, what is your favorite word and why? Tenacity. Oh, I like that. Why is that your favorite word? Well, it would probably tie with resilience, but they're pretty closely related. Hmm. Tenacity because building a business is really not about doing something once. <laughs> and, and then that works and you're done. Right. Yeah. It's about consistently learning, putting processes in place, being willing to upgrade and grow mm -hmm. and being tenacious enough to not give up when you hit a bump in the road yeah. and rather really focus on those breadcrumbs of evidence yeah. um, that what you are doing is working. I love that. I love that. Thank you for that. Now, my last random round question for you. You know, I know that you're a mom to a very energetic eight-year-old boy, and uh, you are building um, an incredibly mission-driven business. How do you decompress? How do you recharge? Because I do know you're a type A personality. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> Just a little. Just a little. I mean, come on, Manhattan, Boston. You have that whole East Coast thing. That's why we connected yeah. so well. I mean, I grew up in Philly. Right. Now I'm just laid back in California. Doesn't mean I'm still not type A. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to decompress, um, I journal a lot. That's something I really recently started doing and really love the power of um, journaling, but I do it with prompts. I'm really not a free writer kind of person. So I'll think of questions to ask myself. Mm -hmm. um, write those down throughout the day. And then when I have time, um, I'll answer those questions in my journal. I read uh, voraciously. Um, I love business development books. I love personal development books, mm -hmm. um, business profiles. I read my first novel this summer in probably five years. I challenged myself to actually do something without a... Um, without the outcome being something that was going to be productive. Mm -hmm. So I read a novel. Um, I love yoga. I love running. I love really independent physical activity mm -hmm. is that I'm competing against myself. And I think that was another really big thing for me. This is a rabbit hole edited out, but I think, um, that was another big thing for me is letting go of what anyone else was doing mm. because comparison and com competitiveness with other people, it's really just scarcity. Yep. It does not matter what anyone else is doing. You don't know what's inside, what's going on behind the closed doors there. Yep. Doing the best you can do, becoming the best version of yourself over and over and over again. Yep. And always asking yourself, one of my favorite questions is what is the next level? version of me look like mm, I love that question one of so my... a lot of times with my decompression that's actually I use that time for journaling and really thinking about those things 
Um, because I think where your thoughts go, that's where your actions go. I love that. I, um, I started journaling a while ago and at the end, so I journal in the morning uh, for gratitude purposes. And then I journal, and then I journal at the end of the evening for, for learning purposes. And my journaling in the evening, uh, it, it, it kind of looks like, you know, what, what did I do really good today? What could I have done even better today? And what will I do differently tomorrow? And then I always love to end both my morning journaling and my evening journaling with what could be better than this, because that to me is the next level. What, because I believe that I design my life and I design a life that I love to live. And if I continue to invite myself to explore what could possibly be better than that, life just truly keeps getting better. And it's phenomenal. I love that. I'm going to do, I'll tell you a gratitude um, practice that I just recently started incorporating to really kind of level up my gratitude journal in the morning is when I list the things I'm grateful for, listing why. Yep, yep. Because it really connects you, I guess. Yeah, and it's been a real game changer for me because Mm -hmm. it's not just rattling things off. Yeah. Really taking the time to connect to why. Yep. And that really grounds, grounds it in. I love that. Yeah, you know, when when people do the the gratitude list and, and look, However, your journal is just right for you. I just want to share a piece of information of the brain. When people write a gratitude list, uh, they can become detached to it. The neurological definition of it is dissociated, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When you write why, it associates you with the gratitude and then connects your neurology to it. And that's why you get that invigoration. That's why you get so connected with it because of that why. Can I ask you, do you do a certain amount of items per day or do you do like a certain amount of time? So I, I typically uh, journal, <coughs> excuse me. I typically journal 15 minutes in the morning. Um, I, I seem to hit anywhere between 10 to 15 items. Um, depends on the depth of my why. I won't journal any longer than 30 minutes because I have found that when I, when I write, I can go on forever, right? When I type, not so much. And then as far as the evening, it's, it's about a 15 minute, 20 minute decompression. Um, so total, total, I'd say out the door, it's somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes, you know, throughout the whole day. And what it does for me is, it's just amazing. I love it. So Jennifer, I truly appreciate you coming on the show. I know how busy you are and, and what your days look like. If our listeners want to find you, follow you, connect with you, reach out to you, how can they do that? We can be found um, at our website, which is appreciatedasset.com. And there's a mm-hmm. contact us section there where you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook um, at Appreciated Asset, uh, on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. 
Um, but we would love to speak with anyone that's out there that feels like this is something they'd love to take off their plate and see how we could serve. I love that. Thank you so much. Hey, your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you and for you. I would love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. That's hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. Second, you already have your phone in your hand. You might as well do it. Jump over to Instagram. Follow me at the Stacy O'Burn. That's jump over to Instagram, follow me at the Stacy O'Byrne. And last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you, get feedback on these episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in that can help make this show more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and know you deserve. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15 minute call on the books. And always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.